And you're saying, where, where do I sign up? And then finally, what really get men and women, look at it, uh, for honor, for courage, and for country. And they tell you who can and who can't do it. They, and you know who can and can't. They say, this is for who? Well, let's say it with me. This is for the few, the proud, the Marines. Yeah. And the rest of you sissies can stay home and watch Oprah. Because you're not cut out for it. This, what I do, is for the few, the selected, the chosen. And then there's you. You're not cut out for it. I am. You see, and that's why I'm here to mo this morning, and you're there. That's more proof. And then there's the few and the proud and all that stuff. That's so wrong. You know, where do we get? Maybe culture, maybe society, maybe ignorance, maybe some fear. And yet God's amazing purposes that take place in his own kingdom and brings down salvation in a very personal and practical way are the same for all for you and for me. And he didn't just save you to get something later. It's not just the ticket for later. And in the meantime, you're sitting down waiting for your promotion while the big ones, the special ones, the anointed ones do all the stuff and you don't. And that is not how God's plan works. This, his amazing eternal purposes, uh, his unconditional promises, they're, they're not just for later. You're not going to believe what he gave you along with your great salvation. So if you've got your Bible, you're going to open it up to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I'm going to read a verse, a couple verses that I already know you know by heart. These, some of these verses are so clear to you that you've read them again and again. And I'll bet you that many of you here, when you first got saved or immediately afterwards, someone read them to you. They told you about your new faith in Christ. And here is what takes place. He says in verse 16, well, let's start reading verse 16. After a long discourse about the reality of this reconciliation with God, he says, so from now on, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 16, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. That we don't view life it just in what we see. There's a whole lot more to it, he says. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. You know, we once when we just thought of Jesus as this thing, this person. Oh, no more. Because something happened. Something, the same thing that happened to Paul happened to me and to you. And then he says what? Verse 17. Therefore, concluding, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. All of, the, all of this. You need to understand. Underlying it, do something. All of this, and he talks, this he'll gradually explain. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave, oh, and, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He explains this that Christ was reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against him. 
And he says it for a second time, maybe because someone was sleeping there in the audience like they are here. And has committed to us the message of reconciliation based on all this. We are Christ ambassadors. And he goes on and on and on. He says, if anyone is in Christ, that's me, that's you. New things have happened. All of this is from him who not only brought himself to himself, but then gave us something to do with this. How do you illustrate all of this? I was watching a most amazing... Do you, do you like National Geographic programs on television? Uh, Wild Kingdom. Do you like that kind of stuff? Uh, how about Predator Week? I like that kind of stuff. You know, chase scenes. If you got little kids, you might not want to watch this particular chase scene. But more than any other video that I see... This chase scene particularly illustrates the truth of what I just read, that something has happened to us, and we have a responsibility afterwards to make that translated to the world. Watch this. But don't have your little kids watch it just in case. So you got the, one of these chase scenes, and you know what's going to happen. So don't watch the, the cheetah chase the gazelle. Because it's a very scary thing. And what? What? No, that was not the one you were supposed to put. It was a... Now you're saying to yourself, we got to get rid of Pastor Dave for inviting a guy so crazy as this on this date. So no gazelle has ever outrun the leopard or the cheetah. It just, that's the law of the jungle. No sinner has ever outrun condemnation. You couldn't do it. No soul has ever escaped judgment. It just doesn't happen. It's called predator life. So there was your soul in the Kalahari Desert. <sighs> You're running. You're and behind you, you see, is the distance is getting shorter and shorter between you and condemnation, you and eternal separation. And no soul has ever outrun sin. It, it just didn't happen. And your tongue is, because uh, uh, you already know that's how it goes. It just goes that way. That's how it is. All are condemned. Uh, 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 and it's shorter and the distance. And out of nowhere... Out of nowhere, it's like that funny video, steps in someone who is faster, bigger, greater, more powerful than sin itself, lifts you up and saves you, reconciles you to him. That's as far as the funny video went. But let's go to chapter 2. Now the gazelle is saved. Isn't that great? We're saved. Reconciled. What, how, how does it end? Whew. Take me to heaven now. I'm saved. Woo. No more sin. No more. No. What actually happens if it continued on is he would have placed the gazelle back down, turned him around, and said, Go get him. That's what it means and has given us a ministry of reconciliation. Let, let's look at that again. If, if anyone 
Anyone. Is there an anyone here? I am. I'm just an anyone. It didn't say the good people, the religious people, the people who go to church. If anyone. Or if anyone is in Christ, well, well, that's amazing. So the secret there, it, it starts with if anyone is in Christ. Now, you know what they taught me in Bible school when I was awake? Well, I shouldn't have said that. Do you know what they taught me in Bible school when I was sober? I mean, uh, I said, a great way to understand your Bible, you know how it is? Is to read a verse like it was never meant to be read. If you read a verse like it was never meant to be read, you'll have amazing understanding. Let me show you how Paul never meant 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to be read. I'm going to read it now. He didn't say verse 17, if anyone is interested. I mean, you might be interested, but you're not a new creation. You could be interested in all these facts and all these information, what's in here. All you have to do is memorize things. But just because you're interested in this wonderful but new faith, doesn't mean you're saved, reconciled. You know, he doesn't say if anyone is in church. It doesn't say that. You might be in church this morning, my friend, but if you're not in Christ, you're in trouble, deep trouble. He doesn't say if anyone's in church. Doesn't say if anyone is in church. Doesn't say if anyone's in. He doesn't say if anyone is inserted as a member. You might be one of the founding members here. How old is Hillside Church? It might, 13 and a half. You might be one of the very first ones to be participating here. Means nothing. Means nothing to be inserted as a member if you're not inserted as part of his kingdom. It doesn't say if anyone is informed. I mean, you could be informed. Oh, so much to be about, learn about the Bible. I, I went to Bible class. I went to seminary. I know that I'm informed. I know there's like 60. Well, there's a lot of books in the Bible. I know that. I'm informed. Doesn't make me saved. Doesn't make me reconciled. It doesn't say if anyone is infatuated by all the excitement. You got a good deal going here, folks. I don't think you know it. Surrounded by so many other opportunities and options, Hillside has got just an amazing. I see it with my own eyes. And you say, wow, I'm so happy to be. What a good, great, oh, beautiful, and all that stuff. Oh, come on, just because you're all excited and informed and. It doesn't say that. I. So if it doesn't say all that, so what does it say? If anyone is uh, in Christ, now you all better be in. You see, there is the, another thing. There is nothing by, around, near, on the top, on the bottom of Christ. It's, it's in Christ. That is the key to a protected heart. That's also the key to a powerful ministry. And that's also the classic mode to understand his amazing promises. If anyone, anyone is in Christ and 
How do you get all of this? One says, well, look at it. It says, all of this. All of this what? All of this leap from dark to light. All of this call from death to life. All of this new hope. All of everything. And, 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 and it's all there. This soul that is finally... Oh, at peace with God, reconciled with him. All of this is from who? Your four steps that you did, your 12, all of this is because you come to church. All of this, how did you get it? All of this is from God. That's how it happens. You know, it says it differently in Acts chapter 1 in a different way you'll receive power when you stop smoking you'll receive power we're going to read this wrong where you'll receive power when you finally start praying like you're supposed to you'll receive power when now you gotta read your bible and you you'll receive power when he tells it to us in his wonderful promise when the holy spirit comes on you 2 Corinthians 5, if anyone is in Christ, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit, and finally, you will be my witnesses. That's where it happens. Not before. He picks you up. He scoops you in. He does all of that. A new life, new purposes. He said, all of this, all of this is from God. All of it. You didn't get it because you did a, a three-hour workshop. You didn't get it because you said, well, I got to start being a... You didn't get anything. He gave it to you. You received power. All of this is from God. Then he says, who reconciled you to him amazing he reconciled we're become his friend us to himself through christ verse 18 and wait there's more oh look at this i didn't oh and gave us the ministry of reconciliation wait a minute there's more yes and yet there's more you mean not only is all of that future taken care of, our relationship with him, but he gave us something to do with it. Not only did he come in and scoop us up, dusted us off, cleaned us up from out to in, from in to out, but then he placed us down and gave us something to do with it. It says it right here. And gave us something to do with it. Now, we not only have a future, we have life with him, reconcile with him, all of this. We have something to do with it. We can make it functional. It's as if, do you like TV? I like TV. It's as if God spun the wheel of fortune, but it was rigged by his amazing riches in Christ. And he spins it. And every one of those little slots lands on my name. There's no bankrupt. There's no lose your turn. All these, all of this, all of these slots 
are for me and anyone in Christ. It says it. And then we can do this because all of this is from him. Verse 18, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What he did in Christ, coming down, lifting up, saving. Now he turns me around and says, go get him. He calls me to call the wandering sheep. He calls the anyone in Christ to call the outsiders who are blindly walking around, bumping into walls, day by day moving closer to judgment. He calls you to be that one who sees that soul and come in and present the great message of Jesus Christ. That's what it is. That's how it works. There's no uh, you and us and the good this, it's, it's anyone in In fact, verse 20, look what he says. We are therefore Christ. Who was the we? The anyone in Christ. The one who has been reconciled. Well, that's me. Not the guy who signed on a mission document 50 years ago and, and said, I, I'm going to be, and blah, blah, blah. I am Christ and ba- for one reason. Not because I'm ordained, which I'm not. Not because I have a degree or one or two or three or ten. Not because I read the... I'm an ambassador... For one reason. I'm an anyone in Christ. That's just how it is. Those are the ones that he uses. Those are the ones that he calls. He he doesn't use angels. He doesn't use professionals. He doesn't use giftedness. He uses the anyone in Christ. Let me ask you a question, my friend. Who is responsible for these seats to be filled up? Well, uh, we, uh, what, are we, what are we paying a pastor for? Well, I mean, you know, that's what we got the... Who's the youth guy? Where's that youth guy at? What are you, sloughing off on the job? I don't see all these. Where are they? You don't believe that it's going to be a new series by the pastor, do you? That's going to fill... You don't believe that, do you? You don't believe that God's going to send down messages from heaven and say, come to Hillside, and I'll tell you who he's going to use. If anyone is in Christ, verse 70, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. That's how it happens. That's what's taking place in Italy. Very hard. This just right here is, would be called a mega church in Italy. Tells you how bad off things are nation where the average size church is around 45 to 60 people. Baptizing fewer than two people a year, those churches. We're there. We're do- Not because we're gifted or able, but because I turned my life to him. He changed me, and now he's using me to change others in his direction. That's why I'm an ambassador. Because he called me. He freed me. Now, you know, I, I 
sort of, well, I, I grew up in L.A. Well, my dad was in the service, and so we sort of grew up all over the world. But when in 1970, I, two years prior, hitchhiking through Europe, I came to know Jesus Christ. Uh, some friends of mine said, Doug, if you want to know the Bible, and there's a Bible school that we went to, and these people were the director of a service and center over in Naples, Italy. My folks had just gotten separated. I had no place to live. I said, I really want to study the Bible. Where do I go? And I, Well, why don't you come to where we went to school? I said, where did you go to school? And they said, a place called Multnomah. I said, well, then I'll go there. And so uh, that's what I did. After uh, being there, get on a plane, cross the Atlantic Ocean, get off that plane, and then eventually arrive here in Portland, Oregon. And I began my, my studies here. But during the summers, what I did was I uh, was able to be employed by the Boy Scouts of America. And I worked as a chaplain at the base of Mount St. Helens at a place called Spirit Lake. You ever been there? Anybody been there to Spirit Lake? Wasn't that a beautiful place? Yeah, until that mountain blew up. What was it, 1980? People try to blame me for a lot of things. I had nothing to do with that. I was in, I was in Italy. I was in, I care, I was in Italy. That's my wife. And I think I was there. I had nothing to do with that explosion. But anyway. So I worked there for a number of years during the summer. Now, my job was as a Boy Scout chaplain was to encourage the little Boy Scouts. Some were homesick and so on, and, and others were having problems. And, and so my job was to be there to encourage these homesick kids. Me. Hey, you know, that, that was my attitude. <laughs> Go fishing. That'll take care of your homesickness. Anyway. But, you know, it was, it was tough because a group of Boy Scouts would come into Spirit Lake and every Sunday, they, a whole other group, 200 of them would come from different troops and so on. And then from Sunday to Saturday afternoon, they would stay there. And then the, another, then they would leave and another group would come. And this would go on the entire summer. And I, I would do Bibles. I was, I was also doing a lot of, lot of work personally, meeting kids. And, and nobody ever, ever asked me, well, are you, are you lonely too? Because I was too. I was 21 years old, and I'm there in, in the bottom of this Mount St. Helens there, Spirit Lake, and, and, I'm t and I'm tired too. Well, the Boy Scouts gave us not even a 24-hour rest time from that Saturday when the kids left to Sunday when they came back. You had already be there. You had to cross the, uh, the lake already be prepared to meet them and then start another week of giving yourself to these kids, which what I had to do. And so I'm lonely. You know, you might think you're a pastor. Oh, great man of God. You got tough times, don't you, Dave? Sure he does. Sometimes he goes to Sherry's. He doesn't know Marionberry pie or pumpkin. <laughs> he, he doesn't. It's hard. There goes our support, right out the window. <laughs> but I'm lonely too, and I really was. Then I did something, and I'm going to confess it to you, that it happened because I was a young person, and it happened because I was lonely, and it happened because I don't think that my needs were any different than any other person. So from that little 
bit of repose that we had from Saturday to Sunday mid-afternoon, I got in my little 1964 Volkswagen Bug, and down the Toodle River I came, and I came to Portland, Oregon, and, and I didn't have a lot of time, and I didn't have a lot of resources. And I did something that I, you know, I'm telling you this to tell you how human I am. And I'm 21 years old, and I'm lonely for companionship. So uh, what did I do? Well, I went to the Portland Dog Pound and bought me a dog. <laughs> what were you thinking? <laughs> you better change that attitude. I see it. $7.50 was a lot of money back then for me. And I went to the Portland Dog Pound, and I saw this part purebred little dog, Amos, who became just my most wonderful, beautiful friend. Now, I went there, like I said, I never owned a dog before. I didn't know what you did. I went there, and I gave them $7.50 of my good money, and those people handed me that little dog, and I, and I walked out of the dog pound with a dog in my arms, and I, and I didn't know what to do, because I didn't know what to do. Remember, I said I was young. I wouldn't need a companion. That's true. And now I have this little guy. I called him Amos. So I'm out of the dog pound. Now, what did I do this for? So I put Amos down. And I said to him, well, let's go. And he starts following me. And he started following me from that moment on. And this little dog, I don't, we have a lot of pictures of him. This dog, at that moment when that, he had, he was on day two of a three-day stay he was in a big cage. It smelled, and it was, and he was with a big German shepherd like that. And there, he, there, Amos was. He sort of called my name, and I picked him up, and I took him in, a, and now he's with me. And at that moment, I don't care from where you see him, Amos never, never, ever, ever, not once, ever, never ever once had a leash on him ever not once he just followed me that was just that's just how he did things wherever i went uh, amos would go he, he it was school um, he came to italy with us he was on our honeymoon with us i i had amos before i met my wife that was a hard honeymoon i'm telling you but she got used to sleeping outside, and it wasn't a <laughs> What a good dog Amos was. Flies to Italy with us. Flies back to Italy. We came back on our first home assignment. Flew back again. I think he was the only dog that was acquiring air miles or something. But he was a great dog. Uh, learned how to bark in Italian. Now, why are you laughing if you don't know how dogs bark in Italian? In English, how do dogs bark? 
Bow wow, right? How do dogs bark in Italian? They go, hey, a bow wow. So my dog was barking in Italian. He, he just loved being with me. It was something that was bigger than his own life, sort of. And we would take him, and he would go, and where I, I, if I was sick, he'd stay in with me, and um, no matter what happened, he was just that funny dog. And he did all these things following by instinct, maybe remembering where he came from and what happened on that day in 1971. And when I took him out, I says, here we go. And that's when his life started, I guess. Uh, and it went that way for almost 15 years. And then one day, of course, we're, we're in Italy. And if you've ever been there where we live, it's not nice and open where we have here and not well lit. And, of course, this little dog is it's like pitch black. And now he's 15 years old. He's sort of blind. Well, he really is blind. And he can barely hear. And he's walking right beside me. Because did I ever tell you that he never had a leash? Did I tell you that? I want to make sure. So you know you didn't ever have a leash, right? Did I say never, ever? Never. Ever? Okay. So after 50, he's walking right by me. Because it's 10 o'clock at night. I'm taking him to do his little potty things. And we're walking. And, and uh, it's outside. And it's late at night. And, and a car turns the corner. And could not see him. And I don't. It's not anyone's fault. And uh, the front and the back wheels just put my little dog down and I had to pick him up and it was it was just a bad thing and I lost my friend of 15 years a, a dog that just gave his entire life to me but you know after he died I discovered something two things about him this is what he liked doing more than anything in the whole wide world. And when you see this, why don't you tell me what his number one passion was? What do you th we can't see him because there he is right there. I'll even tell you. Hey, what do you think he liked doing more than anything else in all the world? Don't say fishing. If you say fishing, you're wrong. If you say fishing, you haven't heard a word. You know what his main desire was? His overwhelming passion. Oh, I'm going to be by you. That's it. Then he died. And then I started thinking, you know, Amos, he's sort of like being by me. And that's at Trillium Lake. And what he did do was ever bark at other people. He'd never bark at you. He, he would be silent. He'd just be, he'd sit there with me the whole time. He wouldn't didn't say anything. Except when other dogs barked, um, uh, walked by. Now, I'd be walking, and Amos would be walking with me. And guess what he didn't have on him? Did I tell you he didn't have a leash? I told you. Okay. So we're walking. And now we're walking on the streets of Portland or wherever, and, and walking, you know, with this, this big old guy with a flannel shirt. He's got the big leash on, like a German shepherd. He's got the names like Thor or, you know, uh, Bubba or... And Amos would go... Rah, 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 rah. 
And you know what he was saying to that guy? Check it out, no leash. <laughs> That's what he was saying. Another lady, you know, all decked out and, and with the high heels and a little foofy dog walking with the high heels, gold chain, and Amos would go, I got no leash. Then I figured it out. He'd bark at those dogs. My master freed me. He came down when nobody would have chosen me because I was on day two of day three and that was going to be it. And he scooped me up and he saved me. And he freed me and he said, let's go. What a great master I got. I got the best. Look at you, chained, hooked, or whatever it is. Not me. I'm an anyone in Doug. I'm free. Free. He tell him, do you got a master like I do? That was his message. I was dying. He didn't have to. I didn't deserve it. I don't know how I ended up in that cage. But of all those dogs waiting to be put down, he stepped into my pound and he says, how about you? And he took me out and he cleaned me and he said, you're free. And then he would tell him, run, run, run. Therefore, if any dog is in Doug, <laughs> he's a new creation, new. The old is all gone. It's all new every day. I just walk with him. Run, run, run. What a great master I've got, is what he would say. That is the same identical message the people in the southeast area or wherever you live are waiting to hear. They're not looking for, oh, come and hear a great message, great sermon, great music, great school, great. They're not interested. They want to hear, rawr, rawr, rawr. I got a great savior. You should know him. He freed me. Look, no scars on my soul. That's the message we share in Italy. That's why you and I are the identical, same, freed, liberated people of God with a message as ambassadors, I do it full-time in Italy, that's true. You do it here in Portland, it's the same thing. Amen? Amen? Let me just tell you one more thing. When I end in Italy and I say amen, if they don't say amen, I go on for another 45 minutes. Amen? amen. Thank you, Lord, for this great time. Beautiful people, wonderful congregation. We are freed in Jesus. Amen. We have a life only because... All of this is from you, all of it, the whole thing. And now we have something that we can be functional with our salvation, sharing with others that we know. Or maybe we don't know, like that one person even did to me on that ferry boat uh, almost 50, 50 years ago. And this is the message of Hillside, a great message of a living Savior who gives living hope to dead souls. We got this message because we are in anyone in Christ. Thank you for the hope we have in him. Thank you for this ministry of this church. And looking forward to great, 
great cooperation, miracles that will take place in Napoli because of the vision of the pastoral staff and others who have seen the need and have ability and tech, technical capabilities of even realizing dreams that we could have never seen happen. Thank you for this church and for this testimony and what's taking place in Jesus' wonderful name. The one who freed us, his name is Jesus. Amen. Thank you, folks. Hope to see you. Write to me on uh, email or whatever that is that I gave you. I don't know what it is, but uh, we're there. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Give it up for Doug. <laughs> yeah, Praise God. Praise God.